Amen. Hey, Mark, do you mind throwing that picture uh, back up really quick? So I just want to introduce my family. Uh, it's really good to be here with you guys. Uh, obviously, you've seen Jennifer and I and the baby Luke. Uh, the little girl to the left, that's our oldest. She's eight. Her name is Michaela. And uh, the little guy there in the middle, that's Caden. He is six. And the one staring at the ground, as all two-year-olds do when it's an important time to get a picture, uh, that is Jude. That's why we have the next picture, if Mark can show, because he's actually looking. There you go. That's my guy to the right. Uh, he is out of control. And so, anyway, so hopefully you guys will get to meet him soon. So, anyways, uh, we really look forward to hanging out with you guys today. Glad we have the picnic. Uh, I know these guys are looking forward to uh, spending time with you guys. Obviously, they're really pumped to actually get to be together today because uh, they've been apart on Sundays for, for, I guess, a few months now. And so, uh, but also I want you to remember this today when we're in the picnic. Uh, today is actually a special day for a few other people. Uh, most of you guys know Austin Carl. Today is his 15th uh, birthday. So that's a big deal. So uh, he, he's actually downstairs. So I'm going to tell you, Austin loves hugs. Not really, but so hug him today, okay? And uh, if you can, maybe we can sing happy birthday to him, something like that. We can make him feel like today's really all about him. And, uh, and so also today is uh, Mr. Ben and Miss Vicky's anniversary. It's their 29th, right? 29th anniversary. And um, yeah. I had the uh, privilege of meeting Miss Vicky, I guess, what, two and a half years ago now? Something like that. And, uh, and God had really used her to change uh, my life, mine and uh, my wife's life. There you go. So, Jen, there she is. And, uh, and actually, she came down to our church in North Carolina and, uh, and, and honestly just changed our leadership team. And so, uh, you know, I've heard about Mr. Ben for years and was honored to uh, play a game with him on Friday night. And uh, he won, so you can also congratulate him in his victory. So, uh, awesome guys. What, he cheated? Possibly. And so, uh, so, fair and square. So, what, you know, just in my short time of even being in their home uh, and being around them, what a great example of a godly couple. Amen. So, uh, if you get a chance, tell them happy anniversary today and tell them how special they are to you. Okay? Sound good? All right, so let, let me say a few things, and, and you'll find out that I'm, I'm a pretty direct fellow. I'm not afraid of much, and, and we just address things like they are. So uh, obviously most people know why we're here today, right? So um, let, let me say this to you. I, you know, uh, I heard a, a preacher say this one time. He said that uh, change is something that happens instantaneously. It's the thing that happens. It's just, you know, basically something happens instantly, something's changed. But he says transition is a process. It's something you have to walk through. And, uh, and I like what he said. He said transition is really just a Christian way of saying, you know what, we're going through hell, but God's in it. <laughs> or better yet, he said this, that we're going through hell, but we think God's in it, right? <laughs> You kind of hope so. So, listen, I, I realize that we're in a tough season as a church, uh, but God has not left us. Amen. And so when uh, obviously when you're going through transition, you know, I think probably the last year has uh, provided my wife and I with, you know, we went through a transition probably about a year and a half ago. Vicky knows very well. Pastor Brian and Leah know very well. Uh, we, we, as a church in North Carolina, went through a tr- uh, pretty dramatic transition, and it was rough on me. And, and I did what a lot of people do when you go through transition. I was afraid. And uh, when you're afraid, uh, truth is, is, is you, really, you really begin to have thoughts of fear. And uh, when fear comes, it's real easy to, uh, you, you know, do what really the meaning of fear is. You either stand there and you fight or you, or you take flight. 
and uh, you, you either, you know, dig your heels in and, and, and you get ready for a brawl. Uh, that's what we do in Alabama where I'm from. You just fight, right? And, uh, and so, or you, you just run from it. Now, obviously, you know, I made the mistake, and many of us did even on our leadership team down there. Uh, we, we, we did both. Now, we did, maybe didn't do it physically, but we did it with our thoughts, and uh, we did it with our attitudes, and we did it with our, uh, you know, even our words uh, amongst each other. And uh, But at the end of the day, even going through that really tough season of transition, I really found out how much I really trusted God or not. You know, because it's really what's about if we really believe God is good, if we really believe he's a loving father, then we really have to take a step back from our emotions and from the fear because the enemy is the one who really wants to come get us in fear, right? God's not giving us a spirit of fear. So, so he comes and he tries to get us in fear, but God wants us to take a step back and go, you know what, Lord, we really do trust you. We really do believe you're, you're in charge. Amen? So today what I want to do is I just simply want us as a family just to kind of pray uh, because I think there needs to be a declaration from us as a body that simply says this, God, yes, we do trust you. You, you know, and, it's, and, and part of it is we go, no, no, you know, man's in charge. Folks, man is never in charge. Okay, so so we have to believe and have faith that the God in the people that that says the leadership team here in this church, that that the God inside of them is going to manifest correctly. Amen. so it's not necessarily putting confidence so much in them. It's putting confidence in the God that is in them. Are you all with me today? So if you don't mind, if you can just kind of posture your own heart and let's just pray in faith today. and Let's just believe because I, I believe today is that there's going to be a shift that's going to happen. And, uh, you know, it's hard to it's hard to let healing and life come. It's hard to walk in peace unless you're in agreement with him. And that's what we're going to do. We're just going to take a minute uh, before, you know, we preach and go through the routine uh, and we're going to get in agreement with him. Amen. Amen. So, Father, we come before you today in the mighty name of Jesus. And, Father, we just declare, God, as one voice, as one body, as one family, God, that you have placed here uh, at Cross Street, a Celebration Life Family Church. God, we say to you today, God, that we trust you. Father, we declare your word today, God, that says in Proverbs chapter 3, God, that we trust you with all of our hearts. God, we choose today not to lean on our own understanding. God, help us not to make that mistake, God, to try to figure it out. God, we choose, we choose, we choose, God, to not lean on our understanding, but God, to acknowledge you in all of this. And Father, we believe, God, that you'll direct our path. So Father, today we just uh, do what your word says in Amos 3.3. There it says, how can two walk together unless they be in agreement? God, we know we cannot walk with you unless we're in agreement with you. So Lord, we choose today to come in alignment with you. We choose today to put our heart, our attitudes, even our words, God, in agreement with what you are saying and what you are doing, God, in this house, in this season. And Father, we also take our authority that you've given us as your sons and your daughters. And Father, we just choose today to break every word of negativity that's been spoken over this house. Father, we thank you that your word says that if you be for us, who can be against us? Father, we believe today that that you have a great plan for Celebration Life Church because you have a great plan for the individuals that, that call it home. And so, Father, we thank you today, uh, literally by the power of the name of Jesus, God, literally that every word of death, every word that's been spoken, uh, that, that is literally has been in this atmosphere, Lord, we just break it today. And, Father, we release your peace in Jesus' name. God, we release your love. God, we release your honor. And, Father, we thank you that in this house, in this house, that Jesus... Jesus will be celebrated, that Jesus will be glorified. And Lord, we just ask, God, that you would come and release your resurrection life, God, in this place. Father, resurrect 
uh, God, every dream. God, resurrect every life. And, Father, I just ask today that, that the Holy Spirit uh, would just move in this place and literally just grab people by the face and just look in their eyes and just say, look, you've got to look at me. You've got to look at me. So, Father, we just fix our attention. We fix our gaze looking into the one that's the author and the finisher of our faith. God, we choose today to, uh, to just block out all the distractions, to remove all the clutter, all the other voices. And, Lord, we choose to listen to the one voice that really matters. Lord, we choose to listen to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Father, we thank you for your anointing that's here today. Father, thank you for your presence. Uh, Father, we just believe for life change today. God, thank you that you said in your word in Ephesians 1, God, that you would open the eyes of our understanding. God, that we would have wisdom and revelation. God, that we might know the hope of our calling. And so, Lord, today, thank you for that revelation coming in this house and these lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Amen. Well, uh, if you have your Bible today, uh, I would like for you to go ahead and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Um, you know, listen, there, there's, you know, hundreds of sermons we could come preach today. Uh, but but the, the big thing today is I want you to get maybe a piece of, of mine and Jennifer's heart. And so today, honestly, uh, what I'm going to talk about is really just a drop in, a drop in a really big bucket. So I, I'm hoping today that uh, I can do a good enough job and it'll make sense. And, uh, and you'll all kind of see our heart and uh, kind of possibly where we're heading, right? Is that good? So 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, the, Lord, the Lord began to basically take me on a journey about four years ago. And, uh, and it really centered around uh, this verse right here. It's Saint uh, Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. You, if you don't have your Bible, you can see it up here on the screen. Uh, the Apostle Paul said this. He said, therefore, we make it our aim. In other words, we make it our target. We make it our goal. We make it our purpose in life, whether present or absent. That simply just means to be dead or alive, to be well-pleasing to him. So one more time. Therefore, we make it our aim to live a life that is pleasing to him. Now, going back to four years ago, uh, man, I was probably praying that verse hundreds of times over my life. We're, we are people that most definitely believe in praying the word. And so I would be in prayer and I would pray something along these lines. Father, you said uh, in your word to St. Corinthians, uh, God, that you've called me to live a life pleasing to you. I'd say, Father, you know, just as the Apostle Paul prayed, Father, uh, I desire for my life to be well pleasing to you. God, I make it my aim, my target, my goal to do that. And so I would pray this, you know, not just in my prayer closet, but I'd pray it if I was on the basketball court playing. I'd pray it in the office, wherever I went. This, this scripture was always on my heart. God, help me to live a life that's well pleasing to you. And uh, so, you know, what happened, though, is, is really when the change began to happen, uh, my heart wasn't so much, um, maybe said it this way. Here's what I was really saying to the Lord. Father, when I leave this prayer closet, will you somehow help me to do, help me, please, to do what I'm supposed to do and to not do what I'm not supposed to do. So hopefully, God, at the end of the day, you'll somehow accept me and be pleased with me. Am I making sense to you? See, and what happened is, is when... Uh, through this process, the Lord began to open my heart, and I began to realize that what I was praying, the words that I was praying, the heart behind what I was praying was right. It was pure. I wanted to please God, but I realized that my understanding of what really pleased God was wrong. Better yet, it was completely wrong. And because my understanding of what really pleased God was completely wrong, I was living from uh, basically out of my relationship with God. I was living out of performance and performance is always, uh, you, you know, it's always rooted in fear. And so, you know, because it was rooted, because my life was rooted in fear, rooted in performance, I was always wondering if I've done enough. 
Anybody ever been there? God, have I done enough? You know, somehow, God, have I prayed enough today? Have I read enough Bible today? Have I been good enough today? So hopefully, God, that you'll say, you know what, Quentin, I'm, you know, I'm pleased with you. Better yet this. It's like, I know you love me, but do you really like me? Anybody get what I'm saying? So, you, you know, basically, when you live like that and you, and you miss a day of prayer, what happens? You, you feel like God's angry at you. You, you, you go and you say something at the grocery store to somebody uh, that you didn't supposed to. Maybe, you know, I've, I've seen how y'all drive around here already. Um, you, you, know, you know, somebody pulls out in front of you and, and you think a not so pleasant thought and you think God's just so disappointed in you. Am I the only one? <laughs> so here's where God really began to open my eyes. Let me show you a very familiar passage of Scripture. It's in Matthew chapter 3. Everybody in here has heard this. This is when Jesus was baptized. For years, I basically uh, looked at this verse, and all I could see was the significance of baptism. Here's the doctrine of baptism. And then I would see that, you know, here's an amazing part where we see uh, the three parts of the Trinity in, in action. You know, obviously, here's the, the Son of God descending out of the water. Here's the Holy Spirit. Uh, I mean, sorry, ascending out of the water. Here's the Holy Spirit descending from heaven. And here's the Father speaking. But on this day when I was reading this, uh, I saw something that I never saw before, at least in a new light. Let's read it. We'll, we'll start in verse 16. Verse 16 is Actually, not up there, Um, but I'll just read it. It says, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, alighting upon him. Verse 17 is the key verse. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Can somebody say pleased? This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. For a guy that is striving to please God, that word jumped off the page. And immediately I saw 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9, and Matthew 3 came together for me. And I immediately asked the question, God, why are you pleased with him? And here's what I thought for my performance mentality. He hasn't, he hasn't done anything significant to this point. You all follow me? I'm sitting here looking and I'm going, okay, here's Jesus, but guess what? He hasn't healed one person. He hasn't, you know, raised anybody from the dead. He hasn't cast a demon out of anybody. He hasn't walked on water. He hasn't spoken to a storm. You, you know, here he is. He hasn't even performed one miracle, yet, you know, much less saved a soul. But yet here's the Father saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. That messed with me because my performance fear mentality didn't get it. So, you know, here I am, I'm asking, so, Father, why are you pleased with him? And I believe the answer personally is found in a very, very another, uh, you know, another popular, whatever, well-known scripture. It's in Luke chapter 2. It'll be up here. Let me kind of set this up for you if you haven't ever read it. In Luke chapter 2, we find out Jesus is 12 years old. You know, basically we see him when he was born, a small child, 12 years old, and then once again at 30. So this is right, to, right before the 18 silent years in the Bible with Jesus. So here he is at 12 years old, and, um, you know, basically as a family, they are doing what was the custom, and they, they make the track from where they live to Jerusalem so they can do sacrifices just like every uh, devout Jew would uh, during that time. And so obviously after the, the week of sacrificing, the week of praise, the week of worship, they all kind of load up the caravan, and everybody's trying to go back home. Well, uh, a day into the journey, Joseph and Mary looked around and say something along the lines, I thought he was with you. Well, I thought he was with you. I have four kids. We've all said that, right? So... 
So I, I thought, you know, and they're like, well, I don't know where he's at. So it said, the Bible says that they looked him on their friends and their acquaintances, and they couldn't find him. And once they couldn't find him, they turned around, and they started their track back home, right, or back to Jerusalem. And it says on the third day that they found him sitting in the temple, obviously with the Pharisees, and it says that he was asking questions and answering them. And I love it. It says that, that they were amazed by his understanding or astounded by his, by his understanding, which just simply means his ability to put two and two together. And then it says this awesome verse here in 48. It says this, it says, so when they saw him, saw Jesus, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? That always fascinates me. Total side note here. How can you rebuke God? But yeah, his marriage trying to do it, right? Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And verse 49 says, and he, Jesus, said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? So watch this. The reason that Jesus pleased God, and I may go a little different angle than what you're thinking here. This is really simple. But why did he please God? Number one is this, if you're taking notes, is he knew he was a son. He knew he was a son. See, when you, when you, know, when you know your identity, you know your value and your worth. Amen? Are you all with me today? So number one, he knew he was a son. Number two is very simple, is he knew God as father. He knew God as father. Let me explain to you here, okay? If you look at the book of if you look at the book of John, and if we can somehow in North Carolina do our math right, uh, this is the way it looks. When you look at the life of Jesus, when you read the red letters, uh, when Jesus is interacting about God, he he actually used the word master in the book of John zero times. He used the word Lord zero times. He used the word God thirty eight times. And then he uses the word father, what we're talking about here, that he knew God as father. He used it 150 times. So what do you think he was trying to get us to see? Because he came to reveal the father. He came to reveal the relationship between us and the father. So what do you think he wants to see? See, when you, when you operate from fear and performance, all you see is Lord and master. Is he Lord and master? Yes. But that's not the thing that he's majoring on. In fact, when, when the disciples came to Jesus in Luke 11 and they say, teach us how we ought to pray, we all know it's the Lord's Prayer. How did Jesus start off? Our Father in heaven. He didn't say our Master, our Lord. He didn't say the guy that's upstairs with a big stick waiting to hit you over the head every time you mess up. But that's how we lived. See, part of my problem was is this, is I had a hard time uh, viewing God as a loving Father because my own dad wasn't a loving Father. And it's, it's amazing how many times we make a mistake if we think that the guy that, you know, the guy that either ran off with another woman, the guy that was an alcoholic, the guy that beat your mom, the guy that whatever, maybe was in the house and, and totally, uh, you know, oblivious that you were even there, that when we get saved, we somehow compare our Heavenly Father to that guy. That's so unfair, isn't it? But yet we do it. And so because, because I, uh, you know, felt like I had to perform somehow to get my dad's attention, because I was, you know, I got four brothers. So I had to somehow do something special to get his attention. I do something to get him to say, hey, look, I love you. We didn't grow up saying those words. Uh, then I felt like when I came into the kingdom, I had to do the same things. Am I the only one in here? So watch this. So number one is he knew he was a son. Number two, he knew he was a father. So in other words, Jesus knew who he was and whom he belonged to. There's a lot of peace in that. Amen. So Jesus pleased the Father because he lived from a position. I'm going, to, I'm going to use a word you may be familiar with or may not. It's a biblical word. But he pleased the Father because he lived from a position of sonship, not from a position of fear and performance. 
So maybe you're familiar with sonship, maybe you're not, but really everything about our walk with God is centered around it. And, um, and it took me, watch this, even as a minister for 14 years, I didn't get it. I didn't, and because I didn't get it, I certainly didn't preach it, and I was putting people under a performance mentality because that's all I knew. So if you don't know what sonship, here, just let me, this is a, it's a, like I said, this is, a, this is a drop in a very big bucket, <laughs> okay, what we're talking about today. But someone who lives from a position of sonship has a heart that feels at rest and is secure in God's unconditional love. See, I was putting uh, conditions on God's love. Then it says this. Let me read that again. Someone who lives from a position of sonship has a heart that feels at rest and is secure in God's unconditional love and believes he or she belongs. They are free from shame and self-condemnation. They walk in honor toward all people. That's key. They walk in honor. It's hard to value other people when you don't value yourself. So they walk in honor toward all people and are willing to humble themselves before God and man. Sonship is a place of security. It's a place of worth. It's a place of value. It's a place of purpose. It's a place where you know you are his, and it's a place of rest. Now, by rest, I mean this, guys. Uh, rest doesn't mean inactivity. Rest means security. Once again, I miss prayer today. Okay. Okay, I, I miss prayer. It's not the end of the world. God's not angry. You know, it, it's, you know something bad's not going to happen to me because I miss prayer. Now, do I believe in praying? Absolutely. You know, you know look, obviously we're in this for intimate relationship, right? So, but it's just how you perceive him. So when you look at sonship, that's why Jesus' acceptance in the Father's embrace was never based off what he did or didn't do, but who he was as God's son. Are you guys following me today? Let me give you an extra thought here. Uh, let's look at uh, Matthew chapter 3. Mark, if you can flip back there again. Mark, Matthew 3, verse 17. Uh, I want you to know some, and this is complete extra thought here. Notice that, that here's the Father. He said, this is my beloved, what's that next word? It's my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. It's my beloved Son. He didn't say, you know, that day on the bank of the Jordan, he didn't open up heaven and declare, this is my beloved Messiah. This is my anointed one. He said, this is my beloved Son. So let's make it personal. You know, he's never opened up heaven over my life and said, this is my beloved Pastor. You know, some people that, I, that I've met, I'm picking on a few people, but, you know, you know, he's never opened up heaven over Jake and said, this is my beloved business owner. He never, you know, opened up heaven over Ben and said, this is my beloved chiropractor. So whatever title it is, doctor, teacher, whatever it is that you do, he has never opened up heaven over your life and declared some title that you have. He simply declares over you, this is my blessed son or this is my blessed daughter. Are you following me? Or my beloved, sorry. This is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter. Are you all with me? Yes? So... The whole thing I'm wanting you to see here is basically is, uh, is that, you know, pretty much God accepts us for who we are, not because of what we do. But, but when we live from a position, let me throw this out at you. When we live from a position of fear and performance, it's real easy to get that title ahead of our identity. You follow me? And, and, when, you, and when you get your title or your calling or even your assignment ahead of your identity, uh, you're really going to miss the mark in your life. In fact, I'll be so bold to say this, that if you never truly understand your identity, you'll never truly fulfill your calling. You can't. So how can you and I, I'm going to share a few verses with you here, how can you and I be confident that he has called us sons or daughters? Mark, I'm just going to go through these really quick. 
the reason we can be confident that he calls us sons or daughters, because obviously the Bible tells us. Pretty simple, right? John 1.12 says this. It says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. Anybody believe in his name? Amen. First John 3, 1, the NIV version says this. See what great love the Father has lavished. I love that. Has lavished on us. And actually means a continual lavishing. It says that we should be called children of God. And I love this last part. And that is what we are. What a declaration. Galatians 3.26 says this. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.14 and 15 says this. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Let, 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 me, even, let me even throw something out at you here, okay? The idea of adoption. We're just going to throw this, okay? Uh, you know, these guys have obviously, their fourth child's adopted, right? They adopted her from Haiti. Now, here's the amazing part. Jen and I actually have really close friends uh, that they have uh, six kids that have been adopted, and they're about to adopt two more. And they already had four of their own on top of that. Uh, that's a grace, okay? Um, but they, they have a little boy from Guatemala. They have a little girl from Thailand. And then they have... Uh, Four brothers and sisters from Ethiopia, and now they're about to go get the other two that was left because their mom's dying. So they're about to have six kids from Ethiopia, okay? So the, the amazing thing about adoption, when you're looking at that God has adopted us, here's what's awesome, okay? There, there's somehow, um, let me say this, did you choose your daughter? Did you choose your daughter? There comes a time, watch this, even if it's an orphanage like these guys, okay? Obviously, there's tons of kids that need to be adopted. This family we're talking about is Brian and Julia McKenzie. Somewhere along the line, they went into an orphanage, and they looked around, and they said, I want that one. Are you following me? You don't say, I want that one, because you're like, oh, I, don't, I don't want it. Listen, God wants you. God loves you. Are you hearing me? So when the spirit of adoption came to you, it's because he has an unconditional love for you. Hopefully I'm making sense to you today. So watch this. So let's go back there. Verse 15 it says, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. We didn't get saved and then God, you know, saved from a life of fear and then God puts us into a condition now where we live toward him in fear. Last verse here, Galatians 4, 6, and 7. It says, and because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son, then an heir of God through Christ. That's good verses, isn't it? So once again, we please God because of who we are, not because of what we do. Now, I personally believe uh, one, of the, one of the main reasons that believers, good believers, good people, one of the reasons that they struggle, and I'm going to say needlessly struggle, is because they don't know what Jesus knew. They don't know, number one, that they're sons or that they're daughters, and number two, or they don't see themselves as that. Let me maybe say it this way. There's a difference between knowing something here and knowing something here. There's a difference between knowing that God, okay, yeah, God loves you. You know, we, I'm from the South. You know, the, you know, God loves you. they got stickers everywhere. You know, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. But there's a difference between hearing it and then experiencing it. He wants us to experience his love. Amen? Amen? That was, that was really weak. <laughs> we got to talk if y'all aren't sure about that one. So, anyways, so, so you know, listen, it, it, people struggle with their, uh, in their walk if they don't know their identity and if they don't really know who God is. And, uh, you, you know, a hope is, is that God would come and erase from all of our minds, uh, you know, false misconceptions of who he really is. We, we really need to know who he is. So that's, really, that's why it's so important that we actually read the Bible. 
You know, and, and, and not just, let me even say this, not just read it so our conscience is okay, but we actually become uh, students of it. You know, nowhere that says, study, show yourself, approved was only to preachers. That's to believers, right? So, so it's very important that we read the Word. So, anyways, here we go. So, the reason uh, they try to live from position of performance uh, is because they don't know their identity instead of living from position of sonship, right? So, all right. All right, so let me say a few things to you, and I'm going to read this, and, and I'm going to be done here in a second. I, I chose not to go long today. And so, <laughs> Claudette and I were messing with each other yesterday. All right, so I hope we understand today that like Jesus, basically God has invited, he has invited every one of us to live from a position of sonship. Now, let, let me throw this out there at you ladies. Just because I'm saying sonship doesn't mean you're excluded. Okay, it's the biblical term, and it obviously means daughters too. And as uh, one preacher said, you know, if, if, if the ladies are going to be all worked up about that, then don't worry about it. For eternity, the men will be the bride of Christ. <laughs> so, so you'll get even, okay? So all of us men somehow wearing a dress, that's creepy. All right, so, because if you saw these legs, whoo! All right, so anyways, so... God the Father has invited basically his children to live from a position of sonship. But watch this. If you don't live from a position of sonship, you're going to live from the opposite. And that's from an orphan heart. And if you have an orphan heart, you're going to have orphan thinking. And unfortunately, uh, you know, that's where I was at four years ago. And, uh, and, and, you know, if I'm going to be really honest, the process is still happening in my own heart. You, you don't live away for so long and just one day, poof, it's gone and you think completely different. It, it takes time to somehow displace orphan thinking and displace an orphan heart so a person can really see themselves as a son and, and kind of get all that worked out. But my, my hope is today that some of us will begin that journey. But here's a few things for you just so you understand this better. When we don't understand sonship, we feel as though we don't belong. Intimacy, love, value, honor, acceptance, and purpose are foreign concepts to us. We think that our value is measured by how well we perform, so we believe we have to act right, dress right, talk right, and do right in order to be loved and accepted. That's why people come to church and they talk different at church than what they do at their workplace. Because they feel like if they're going to be accepted, they've they got, they got to have it all together. It isn't that way, folks. That's a good place to say Amen. So when you don't understand sonship, you, you feel as if there is something more that you have to do or to put in order to find rest and feel valued. But with the spirit of sonship, however, we feel loved, valued, honored, and accepted for who we are as God's creation and the bottom line that we're created in His image. We have no need to prove anyone or prove ourselves to anyone because as a son or a daughter, we already feel a sense of total love and acceptance. That, that's freedom, guys. Contrarily, as an orphan, we feel like we are on the outside looking in, trying hard as, we can, hard as we can to try to perform and do good enough to earn a place in someone's heart, even God's. And here's the awesome part. You're already accepted into God's heart. Here's the good news. According to the Bible, when he looks at you, he sees Jesus anyway. He don't really get all caught up in you. Thank God. You, you know, li- listen, if anybody has a performance mentality, here's something that will pop the bubble really quick. Good old Isaiah. You got to love Isaiah. He said that your, your, what, your works, your righteous works are as what? Filthy rags. Well, how disappointing is that? But that's why we have the blood. Amen? The blood covers us. So, listen, a person who struggles with orphan thinking has this. 
And, and, and I'm going to be honest with you here, okay? As I begin to study all this, I'm finding out it's just not just some people who come randomly to church. This is people who are senior pastors, okay? This is people who have been in the faith that love God, uh, you, you know, that are on staffs, hold leadership positions, uh, great leaders in the church. Uh, they wrestle with this. So, but, but just listen, okay? And I, and I can relate to most of this list. But a person who struggles with orphan thinking has a fear of trusting. They have a fear of rejection. They have a fear of correction. They have a fear of opening their hearts to love. And I would say they have a fear of opening their heart to intimacy. They'll let you in only so far. They are constantly agitated at people who don't think like them. They see others as potential threats to their success. Their, their thinking is negative. They are frustrated, angry, argumentative, restless, depressed, emotionally out of balance. They're defensive, insecure, independent. And here's one that really hurt me, competitive. They, they don't feel safe or secure. They have little sense of being loved, valued, or affirmed. Because they believe their identity is found in what they do, they believe they have to argue, wrangle, and fight for anything in life that they want to accomplish. Now, listen, I'm not talking about you today, okay? But maybe your neighbor, okay? So maybe that guy down the street. But, but, but here's a promise from us today, okay? And once again, I'm just here sharing my heart today. It's all we're doing. Uh, we have a promise from God in John 14:18. It's this. Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. What a great verse. We are not orphans anymore, gang. We're sons and daughters of the Most High God. Our daddy is the king. Amen? So listen, uh, today, really really, what I want to do, in fact, you can go ahead and just stand to your feet, and we'll, and we'll close, and I know it's early, but hey, we have a hot dog to eat. So listen, I, I want all of us to understand, in fact, you can just close your eyes really quick. And all we're going to do today, I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to pray over you here, but, but I want you to understand that, that God the Father has already postured, he's already positioned himself as daddy, as father, as papa, as a good God. And what he is, is, is my hope is, is that we would accept his invitation today to be, to be a son, to be a daughter. And that literally that all, that all that performance and fear mentality that if we're honest, we all wrestle with in some way. Uh, this doesn't have to be deep. It's just real, okay? That, that somehow that, that that heart will begin to be displaced and we'll begin to be confident and secure in who we are in Him. And, and in fact, the Father just really wants you and I to receive our purpose. Some of you guys are wondering what that is. It's really found through sonship. That's where your purpose is found. But, but He wants you to receive your purpose. He wants you to receive affirmation, security, value, Love and acceptance from him and him only. It's not found in a, in a best friend. It's not found in a husband. It's not found in a wife. It's not found in a job. It's not found in money. It's not found in boats and cars and, and all these things that we try to fill that void with. Uh, it, it is simply filled in, in the heart of the Father. Let me say it this way. It's filled in the embrace of the Father. So today really is this. Watch this. If, you, if you're trying to figure out what's your purpose, your purpose is simply this is that you would experience the unconditional love of God and that you would give it away to every person that you meet. That's it. So if you don't mind, listen, we are a Pentecostal church, right? So if you don't mind, lift your hands and just, it's just basically an act of, you know, basically, Daddy, I need you, plain and simple. And I'm just going to pray and we'll ask Pastor Mark to come. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you increase your presence in this place. Come on, folks, I'm going to encourage you right now not to look and just go, well, it's another church service. This could be a moment of great change for your life. Thank you, God.
Father, we come before you today not uh, in the view of you being a master or being some Lord over our life. Father, we acknowledge that we do submit our lives to you. And, and Lord, you are the king and the master of our hearts. We get that, Lord. But, Father, today we come and we just crawl up in your lap. Father, we put our head to your chest. And, Father, we want to hear your heartbeat for us today. Father, we thank you that your word has called us your beloved. And, Father, that word beloved is simply two words combined. Be loved. And so, Lord, today we choose to be loved by you. Father, we ask today that you would break off of us, God, any performance mentality, any mentality that simply says, uh, man, I got to do this, I got to do that, I got to earn God's love somehow. Father, we didn't earn salvation. We didn't earn it. It was a gift that was given to us. And so, Lord, forgive us, Lord, today for thinking that we have to earn your love. It's a free gift that's already been given. So, Lord, today, uh, God, we choose in our own hearts, God, to, uh, to step in to your invitation to be your son, to be your daughter. Father, we pray, God, that literally that an orphan heart, that you would reach down in us uh, as only you can in a very gentle way, Lord, that you would pull it out. Father, that you would begin to erase orphan thinking from our minds. Father, that we would quit coming to you uh, as orphans, that we would quit trying to live from that position that, that thinks that we don't have a covering, that thinks that we're not loved, that thinks that you're not for us, uh, that, that thinks that you're not going to protect us, that you're not going to bless us, all those things that the enemy would have for us to believe. Folks, if you don't re- realize or not, Lucifer was the first orphan. <laughs> He rejected the Father's love and He chose to do it His way. Father, we don't want to do it our way. Father, we want to do it Your way. We want to do it Your way. We want to do it Your way. And so, Lord, today, we just thank You for great change in us. Father, in fact, Lord, I just pray that around this room, God, as as hands are lifted and eyes are closed, God, that people would feel uh, literally almost like a breath of fresh air over their life. Father, that just peace and security and rest, God, will be released over them today. Father, that they would realize that they are secure in you, that they are secure in your unconditional love. And so, Father, whatever you need to do to rework within them, rework. And, and, and in, fact, in fact, Lord, if, if um, this may sound weird, but we're going to do it. Um, Father, if there's been anybody that's come into our lives that has misre- uh, misrepresented you, God, that has misrepresented who you are as a loving God. Uh, Father, right now, Lord, we just, uh, we forgive them. We forgive them. Healing always comes through forgiveness. So, Father, we forgive them for, for misrepresenting you. Father, if there's been some time in our own past, uh, Lord, where we... Uh, literally turned our heart away from intimacy and turned our heart away from love. Maybe it was because of a dad or because of mom, because we somehow couldn't live up to their expectations. We couldn't measure up. Father, today, Lord, we just choose to release them and to forgive them in Jesus' name. And so, Father, today, God, is forgiveness flows in this house. Once again, it doesn't have to be some big emotion or big feeling, but Lord, it's something that we do by faith today. God, we release them, God, so we can be released from that as well. And so, Lord, we open our hearts up, God, for you to pour, to pour, to pour, to pour, God, out your love in us in Jesus' name. Father, we bless you and we honor you. We thank you uh, just for who you are. Father, we pray that even tomorrow and this afternoon when we go to pray that we'll approach you differently. 
God, that we won't approach you, uh, you know, out, out of fear. We will we'll approach you just simply of, of, of realizing that you're just so glad that we're there with you. God, that we'll step into that intimate relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen, amen. Praise God. You may be seated for a few moments. Thank you, sir. There's so much that I could really jump off of what he shared and uh, an awesome teaching. And one thing I will mention is the adoption. Uh, Because we have adopted uh, a girl at the age of two and she's 18 now. But one thing that we've done is the affirmation. She's not an adopted child. She's a babin through and through. And that's the way we treat her. And that's the way she feels treated. She doesn't, she acts like the rest of the babbins. So I know she's accepted this well. And she's fit right in. And that's how we ought to be as children of God. Sons and daughters. Amen. Praise God. Praise God for our Father who loves us. Who loves us. Unconditional love. Amen. Well, praise God. Do we have any directions for this afternoon for the guys? Is anybody in charge here? Or am I in charge? Amen. We're all going to venture downstairs right outside. Who is it? Jane? No, everybody's pointing at this way. Pointed at Jane. No, I'm, I'm sorry. Bill pointed at you. No, no everybody just went this way. None of us are in charge. We have, uh, again, a time set aside for fellowship, food, and we encourage you to mingle, talk. Quentin and Jennifer are here. Talk to them one-on-one. Be mindful that there are other people that may want to talk to them. So don't pull them off in the corner for a three-hour discussion, please. Uh, be mindful of others. You know, introduce yourselves and uh, allow yourselves, you know, to just mingle a little bit and, and enjoy the fellowship. It's a beautiful day. Amen. Praise God that, you know, he put the 5th of July right after the 4th. And it was ordained to be a beautiful day. And it wasn't like last Sunday. Praise God. And so we give God the glory. Again, thank you for coming out. And uh, stick around. I guess make your way on downstairs outside. And things are being prepared. And I'm sure there will be other instructions. I will pray over the food and the fellowship and whatever good stuff is going to happen today. And then you're free to just go downstairs. Our Father, we thank you once again for your faithfulness to us. We thank You for Quentin and Jennifer, Lord. We thank You for their lives, their ministry. We thank You for this truth today. And Father, has been prayed already, but Father, let it be sealed in our hearts. Lord, we thank You for this day. Again, this is the day that You have made. We will rejoice, whether inside this building or outside, enjoying Your creation, Lord. Enjoying the fellowship of Your people. We ask Your blessings upon our time today, Lord. Your blessings upon the food, the fellowship, Lord. We thank You once again. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You're not dismissed. Just venture on outside and downstairs, please. Thank you.